0: You're drowned by my perfect fire, my perfect life. Hello, welcome to the Lanky Guys. It's a snowy, snowy Colorado day and nobody else cares. They might care. They might care. You don't know that. Don't, don't project. I don't mean to project. They might. <laughs> I a, care. I love the snow. I'm a projectionist.
1: You do, you, you do project. Thi- I mean, you, <laughs> how, do I, <laughs> how do I get this out? There's I at do, least two different buildings on the Saint Thomas Aquinas campus where you have installed and mounted projectors, right? I so. actually
0: have specialty projectors in uh, old carousel slide projectors with computers and I mean my senior thesis um, for undergrad was um, a projection art show. I, I was going really? Yeah, I was going to do installation artwork. Okay. One of one of which I had this idea it was going to be called The Fear of the Strawberry. And what it was is, you would walk in, and you would be inside a gigantic strawberry that was swirling in a blender that was gigantic. So that, and, but it was all going to be optical illusions and projections, so that as you walked in, it was you were going to have the sense that you were in like a 500 foot blender, and but everything was in slow motion, and you were
1: inside the strawberry. How many projectors would you need to do that? I mean, I mean, I was ambitious, so a lot. <laughs> <laughs> is, that what, is that what you're saying? Yes. I imagined you making like a gigantic styrofoam or papier mache strawberry. Yeah. That would be cool. That would be
0: cool. But I wanted that sense of motion. Yeah. And the Can't room, almost as you go into the room, that there's like a little bit of a sense that it's in motion as well. And yeah. Either yeah. Do it optically or mechanically. So, so yeah. So we, um, we are in the uh, fifth Sunday in Ordinary <laughs> Time. Uh, our first reading. What did you say it was? The fifth fifth, fifth Sunday? Fifth,
1: fifth, fifth Sunday of Ordinary Time.
0: Sunday in Ordinary Time. Our first reading is from Isaiah 58,
1: uh, chapter 7 to 10 verse. That's right. Very good. Our responsorial psalm is Psalm 112, verses 4 to 5, 6 to 7, 8 to 9, and the response is 4A. And then our second reading is from the first of the Corinthians,
0: chapter 2, verses 1 through 5.
1: This is one of the only places I can find some mileage this week, to be honest with you. What do you mean? As far as connection points. Oh. All the readings, I think, are, are objectively good on their own, but I'm having trouble finding connection points. Now that you're but sa- I see one in the second reading.
0: Now that, now that you're saying things, I actually <laughs> did not connect a single I, – I actually was studying them all in isolation. I was kind of dancing in isolation.
1: Is that a song? Is that a thing? It That's,
0: is, it's a it's a song from the eighties, actually. But it's, I, it's it's really from, familiar. It's from Dottie's Dottie from Peely's Big Adventure had tried to have a musical career, and she got uh, one song on the Better Off Dead soundtrack called "Dancing in Isolation." And it's super obscure and totally bizarre that I actually just went through all of the things that I just said.
1: That was a lot. That was there's a, layers of layers of layers stuff. That's yeah. well done. Well done. For yeah. You, Peter. Yeah. Sorry for, years, baby. sorry for like deep, deep track 80s. I can take for it. You. I can hang. I can hang. Okay. All right. Our gospel, speaking of deep track 80s, <laughs> <it's> not, <laughs> that's not true. Uh, our gospel is coming true. from Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. 13 through right, 16. At, we're still right at the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, right after the Beatitudes, right?
0: You know, you, the way you just spoke reminded me of a text message from Father Ben Dallas that he sent <sighs> me last night. He said, if your staff was the old school WWF wrestling league, which wrestler would you be? Which
1: one was I? Mach- I, I don't Randy Man Macho no, Savage. No, no, no. Um. Oh, who's the one? I had a my brother had a poster of him in his room. he get with the kilt. Oh, um, Riddy, Riddy, Piper. Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Rowdy Roddy Piper. That's who I would want to be. Okay, dude. I, yeah, yeah. I, yeah.
0: <laughs> I actually don't know which one I would be. So for podcast listeners, if you want to post on your on the, our Facebook, which wrestler you think that um, I am and Scott is from the old school WWF, please feel free. I only know three. Hulk Hogan, Rowdy Roddy Piper, and... Wild. Macho man 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 right <laughs> Wild man uh, <laughs> and uh, Wild Man McGee. <laughs> Wild Man McGee. Okay. So um our first yeah. reading, Isaiah. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. Yeah. The, uh, um I mean I, I only have one idea from this whole thing, which is like <laughs> prepare for Lent, like prepare fasting almsgiving. <laughs> I, which I have to say it's tough when they're giving you the Lenten readings, like pre Lent. That's we're pretty
1: far out from Lent still, aren't we?
0: We're like twenty days. Twenty days that's till last Wednesday. Enough. That's like a that's a full twelfth of the year. <laughs> is that of... right? That's quick math.
1: No, it's just kidding. That's not right. That's I know. <laughs> I don't even know what that yeah, is. Yeah, I you could, but I'm so bad at math you could tell me what it is. I know. You I you know, that's if Mar Fibonacci What? Huh? Psalm fifty eight or Isaiah fifty eight. <laughs> so um it's actually believed there is a school of thought that Isaiah fifty eight is talking about um a mistreated Yom Kippur. Feast of Atonement, that it actually, well, I, I shouldn't say it that way, that the context of Isaiah 58 is the Feast of Yom Kippur.
0: Okay. And I know
1: we don't start until verse 7, but I, I, I want to read the first six verses because that one actually tells me what we're talking about. And it's, I, what we get on its own is good, but the context actually makes it make a lot more sense. So it says this, Psalm. Uh, I keep saying Psalm. Isaiah fifty-eight verse one. Shouted aloud. Do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. So, part of the reason scholars think it's Yom Kippur is that's what you do. You shout. You 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 uh, do the the shofar. The the trumpet blast is done on that day. Right. Um, but what is Yom Kippur? Yom Kippur is the day that the Jewish people are called to remember their sin, to repent, to fast, to be called back to right relationship with God, right? And that's so much of the theme of what Isaiah is doing. It's looking forward to this time in which Israel is going to be punished and they're going to be defeated by these foreign pagan armies because they've turned their back on God and because they refuse hard-heartedly to come back and actually give real repentance. And so Isaiah 58 is sort of iconic of that in a certain sense. It, it, it highlights that. So uh, declare to my people that their rebellion to the house of ja- uh Declare to my people their rebellion, and to the house of Jacob their sins. That's in the northern kingdom. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation who does what's what is right. How about that for a sentence? Day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what's right. Oof. They act like they're a nation who wants to be morally upright, who do, does the right thing. And has not forsaken the commandments of God. They ask me for just decisions. They seem eager for God to come to them. Why, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do whatever you want. You do as you please. You exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen? Only a day for a man to be humble himself? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying on sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord? And you read that and you're like... Holy cow, that actually kind of contextualizes what he's about to say. Like, Mm. you guys claim you want to be moral, you claim you want to be the people of God. You claim you want to be this nation of kings and priests, and so you fast, or at least you say you fast, and you refrain from these foods, but it ends in fighting with each other and strife, and you abuse your workers, and you abuse the poor, and you turn your backs on me, and you're going through these motions, but I see very clearly your heart is in it, and you are so hard-hearted and thick-skulled in it that you don't seem to understand why I don't respond to your hypocritical fast and these, these things that you're trying to do. It's it's really harsh words on the part of God, but it's also setting us up in the narrative for when the punishment inevitably comes for Israel. Israel should not be able to say, Why? what happened? We had no idea. God's like, no, I want it to be very clear that you're not doing the right things. You're acting like you are. You're saying you are, but you're not. And even that line he uses at the end of verse five, he says, is this what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? The day acceptable to the Lord, that actually, and that's the translation I have here, um, Jesus uses those words in the New Testament when he's quoting Isaiah and talking about the Jubilee year. And really what God is getting at here is fasting is great. Fasting is is, uh, profoundly important. Jesus says in the Gospels that there's certain demons only fasting and prayer can drive out. It's really important. But when you're fasting and you're actually abusing one another and turning your back on one another and exploiting one another and abusing me, then it doesn't work. It's not a magic trick, right? It's not a card trick that you try to pull on me. And so God says it in verse six, is not this the kind of fasting that I have chosen to loosen the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. That's language of the Jubilee year, setting free the slaves, releasing debt, giving people back their ancestral homes. That was the, the long ignored practice of the Jubilee year. And that's where we step in to then what we get this week, which makes what we read this week make a lot more sense. And he says, "It's not is it not to share your food with the hungry and provide for the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe him and to not turn from him, uh, turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then if you do those things, if you don't just go through these fake motions of pretending you're holy." Then he says, "Your light shall break forth like the dawn, and your wound shall be quickly healed. Your vindication will go before you, and the glory of the Lord shall be your rear God. That 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 reference to the glory of Lord, the Lord, this is fundamentally what what Israel needs. They believe the light has been taken from them. They believe that the glory of the Lord, which is the 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 presence of God that dwelt in the temple has left. It's abandoned them. Where is God? Has he turned his back on us? Has he forgotten us? Has he left us? Which is not coincidentally why the New Testament begins with the angel saying the words to Mary, you're going to have a child and his name is Emmanuel, which means God is with us, which answers this long question that Israel had, has God abandoned us? And the answer is no, he hasn't abandoned you, but you have rejected him. You've You've cast him out in a certain sense because of this. So you want him to come back? Cool. Act like it. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's it's the difference between going through the motions and having your heart in it. Yeah. Like (laughs) no, it just could have said that in shorter than ten minutes. But yeah. But
0: that that is that's that's all it is. like, Like and so this is actually what I desire is that this be expressed in a concrete way that is that's that's not pro forma and easy, but the actual real challenge of following after your god and and if that's the case then you're going to experience the power and the grace of god in your life and then you're going to know healing
1: then you're going to know so here's where I'm kind of hung up on this so i mean that, that's so there's a, uh, no, i mean so what you said was right you said if um, this is what god wants but the other piece to it is that it's also what they say they want Right, that's what we get at the beginning of of Isaiah fifty eight. You say you want me. You say you want this relationship. You say you want to be holy. It's not just I want this for you. He does, but you also claim you want to be holy. You claim you want it, but what what bugs me about this, and it's kind of been stuck in my craw for the last twenty four hours, forty eight hours. Um, it says if you. It basically gives an if then. If you do this. Then the light shall break forth like the dawn. Then you'll be healed. Then your vindication, then the glory of the Lord will return. And I don't really get the sense throughout the rest of the Old Testament that, oh, they do it. And they totally turn around and they completely repent and they're perfect and wonderful and holy. So Jesus comes and the glory of the Lord comes back. Really, I mean, we, we kind of know the end of the story, right? They don't really ever fully leave this this idea. and this is what Jesus is still calling people out on when he goes to the temple in the gospels well, I mean, you're still going through the motions
0: i do that in counseling when when people want to come and actually deal with some of their problems with me right they say oh, father i can't get a job and i say do you want a job right but like right. Not let, right. let's actually talk through and figure yeah. that out you're like i can't find a girlfriend yeah and you're like do you actually want a girlfriend mm and and like do you actually want to compromise yourself so that you can go move from the community of one to the community of two yeah yeah and like like yeah. oh i really want to find my vocation and i'm like well do you want to make a generous gift of yourself or do you just want the the advantages of the totally vocational life totally and so it's it's these it's this question where you say oh i really want it but then we actually have to dig into the levels of our existence, the levels of our being, of our psychology, of our desires, of our needs, um, and, and of our emotional lives. And we actually, and the ideas that we're actually living in, in a real way. Do we actually want to have these things happen? And that's what the Lord is saying. I'm not satisfied with mere, mere externalisms. I need something. Now, this is, the, this is to say, Scott, though, at the same time, I think people did do this. I think, yes. You had and in, I don't want to paint with
1: too broad a brush. Of
0: right. course. I think was... individuals did did this, but as a collective, I, I like it's, it, it, and we still don't are
1: still. Yeah. And that's why we actually get to the place of where we're in need of a savior. And that, and that's, I guess, my point that I'm trying to get to is that God does it anyway. He says, "Do you really want this? Like, do you really want my presence with you? Do you really want to be holy?" Right. And yes, some people are like, yeah, "Absolutely." There are Isaiah's, there are Ezra's and Nehemiah's later. Right. There are, you know, there are lots of these heroic holy figures, and many that whose names are lost forever to history. But the point is, collectively, as human beings, we just always kind of fail, and yet God does it anyway.
0: So that's because why I like his the if then breaks novena. down. Yeah. Because because the surrender novena just says, Lord. I actually make a gift of myself to you. I'm kind of not sure what I'm supposed to be doing. <laughs> right. You do everything, but I'm going to make a gift of myself. So right. let's have this dialogue. You yes. do everything and
1: show me what my part is. Yes, and, and he I, does. And he does. And if, if you, we ask that, he does. And then Even if we don't ask it, sometimes he does. Yeah. And that's, I guess, the the, the the theme we get from Isaiah. Even if you fail at this, right. I'm still, oh. still going to come to you. Okay. Sorry. No, it's good. But what you said also is right because... Collect, and uh, Yes, there's good guys and bad guys in Israel, but but just as human beings, we tend to fail, which is actually where the segue into the psalm makes sense. And what the psalm is doing, Psalm, psalm 112 is meant to be a complement to Psalm 111, historically. So so they're actually meant to kind of be read together. Psalm 111 is this um, beautiful acrostic hymn about um, God's greatness and God's holiness. Mm. And then Psalm 12 comes in as another acrostic, al- alphabetic hymn. Uh, Uh, him, about the praise. So Psalm 111 is praising God. Psalm 112 praises the one who is like God, the one who is holy, the one who is righteous. Mm. And again, what Isaiah kind of shows us is that, yeah, that person's real hard to find. We don't know who that is. And so ultimately, what Psalm 112 is pointing us to is Jesus himself but also then those of us who follow in his image and lights, who follow in his ways in his footsteps and are discipled in him. That's who this is describing because this person sounds kind of high and lofty and, and unattainable until you have God made human, made man who then gives us the empowerment to be what Psalm 112 sort of holds out as this grand idea. Right. Which is cool, because we couldn't do it. And so what it's meant to do, I think, in a certain sense, is be this longing. Like, oh, I, I do want that. I know I give it lip service sometimes. I know sometimes I say I want to be holy, but I don't really act on it. Right. But this, you, this is the effect of a psalm like this, the poetry of it, the, the rhythm of the music is actually meant to raise us to something higher. To say, no, I, I really do want that. And there's these moments in all of our spiritual life, right, where we're trudging along and we're like, I know what I'm supposed to be doing and I know what I, I want to be holy, blah, blah, blah. But then you have those moments, right? You told me about when you had not long ago where you you have this experience, you're going to retreat or whatever it is. And you're like, no, I, I really do want that. Like I, I, I remember, like I see that kind of anew again. I'm like, right. yeah, I want holiness. That's what Psalm 112, I think, is supposed to do for us. Mm. And remind us of like, yeah, know, I have kind of blown it. And I have kind of given it a lot of lip service. Right. But I see the beauty of what could be of what God actually wants of me.
0: Yeah. And yeah, th- then he will be, ex- his horn
1: will be exalted in glory. Yeah, which I- <laughs> Which comes back to horn blowing as Isaiah 58 with the day of atonement.
0: Oh, horn blowing. Oh. I don't think it's that
1: profound of a connection, but
0: there's horns in both no i find it symbolic actually really symbolically beautiful because here is your horn will be exalted in glory which is uh to say that whenever i hear the word glory i see meaning truth substance so like if your horn's exalted in glory it means that that like the 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 horn that's blown the the signal the sound the music that's Mm. Being made is it resonates loudly and 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 meaningfully if you're if you're really willing to and the things that you proclaim because we're all proclaiming something, absolutely we're we're all telling a story to the other people around us. You, you're telling me stories, I'm telling you stories. Right. Um,
1: Everybody. Whether telling we say anything to, or not,
0: right? And yeah. so we we all have this story that we're saying, but yeah. then the the one who is actually willing to go into the depths with the Lord. F- will be meaningful for all, which is really
1: like... uh, And what does it mean to go into the depths with the Lord? I think it's to do the kind of fasting that God calls for in Isaiah 58. Yes, fasting from food, but then take it further. Go into the depths. Sacrifice yourself. Care for the other more than yourself. I mean, he's laying exactly what you said. You get the instruction manual for how to do in Isaiah fifty-eight. Right. You really want to be holy. You really want to fast with not just food, but with your whole life. Here's how to do it. Right. And that. So I I, I bring that up, and I because you said it perfectly. That is the best connection I see. The best segue I see to First Corinthians. Because now we have the example of one who did it. Right. Not God made man who did it, who is that, absolutely. Right. But one who has united himself to God made man and has then lived out this profound fasting, this going into the depths. And you have Paul. Oh, Paul. God bless Paul. This is um, the beginning of Paul's second letter to the Corinthians, which is important because if, um, and we've talked about. We've been in 1 Corinthians for a little while, the last couple of weeks, right? Oh, yeah. 1 Corinthians is a rough book. Like If you really take it apart, I mean, he is really hard on the Corinthians because they're people like the time of Isaiah who are saying, yeah, we're churchy people. Like We're, we're following Jesus. We're doing our thing. We have a church. We're following. But they are there's horrific things going on in the church, right? I mean— Lest we think that only horrific things have been going on in the church for the last, you know, couple decades. This has always been the thing, right? And there we, I think it was last week or the week before, we talked about all the divisions and the personality cults. And there's sexual immorality and there's liturgical abuse. I mean, 1 Corinthians is a rough letter. Right. And we don't know what exactly what happened in between 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians. But we can probably deduce that it wasn't good. Because when Paul comes back with a second letter... Presumably, they wrote a letter back to him. They responded right. to 1 Corinthians. Right. And you get the impression, reading kind of between the, the lines in 2 Corinthians, oh, I'm sorry, we're still in 1 Corinthians. We're still in 1 Corinthians. Yeah, I, well, everything I said is is awesome and valid, but, <laughs> um, but <laughs> I put that aside. But Paul, even in 1 Corinthians, is still, yeah, I guess forget everything I just said. Well, it is, it is all true. But in the midst of Paul calling these people out in a pretty big way, because, again, they're, they're a disaster, and he's going to point out what a disaster he is, he points out that I'm coming to you saying these things as a man who has been emptied. As a man who's actually trying to embody what I'm saying you ought to be. So he says, when I came to you, brothers and sisters, proclaiming the mystery of God, I didn't come with sublimity of words or wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. One of the things, the reason I brought up 2 Corinthians is that one of their um, attacks of Paul when it comes to their response right. is they're going to be like, you stink, Paul. And they're, right. they're going to say things like, you actually aren't even a very good preacher. And like you say all these high and mighty things and you're, you know, you're you you you're super preachy and you do all this stuff. But actually you stink at speaking and you're ugly and you're short and we don't like you and you stink and you're always sick. Like right. they'll literally go through this this laundry list of all the things they don't like about him. Right. And Paul kind of owns it. He's like, you know what? It's not about my great words. It's not about my awesome preaching. It's not about the grandeur of my person. And really in a big way in 2 Corinthians, he totally owns it. He's like, I am always sick. I am always shipwrecked. I'm always getting beat up by somebody. I'm all I'm I'm not great with words. He, he's great. They call him basically a paper tiger, right? You're really good in your letters, but in person, pff, you're just not that impressive. And so here, Paul from the get-go, he's like, I didn't come to you in this I didn't come to you like an Aristotle or a Socrates. Which I'm is not Which is which is the Corinthians' big thing. Exactly. That's they who wanna, they value.
0: They wanna they wanna feel like, right. oh, you know What what's really prized is this rhetorical philosophy philosophical right. tradition and he, and he and paul's like okay you know what I, i'm not playing that game
1: yes exactly like, right. i'm
0: not i'm not in the structures that you are are doing now he is in the game because he's
1: good and that only works if he can play the game right mm. what, what paul's argument it's not that christianity interesting, only works interesting. paul's argument only works If he actually is really skilled, and he is, we know he's skilled in rhetoric and speech and knowledge and wisdom and being learned and the Talmud and the commentaries and the scriptures and the law and everything else. He's amazing at it. He says he was the best teacher in all of Judaism. And that is what he says. He's like, I didn't bring that with me. I left that behind because I know that's what you guys think is great and awesome, but all I want you to think is great and awesome is Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I'm not tagging along my ego and my wisdom and my learnedness and all that stuff. I am fasting of it. I'm, not that they're bad, right? It's good to be learned. It's good to have wisdom. But he's like, I'm going to fast. I'm going to set that aside for the sake of you knowing not Paul and how great Paul is, but for the sake of you knowing Jesus Christ and him crucified. So I came in weakness and fear and trembling. I didn't have to because I'm a confident guy. We know that. We've We've seen Paul. We know Paul better than maybe anybody else in the New Testament. And we know he's full of confidence, maybe sometimes too much. Right. But here he says, but I didn't come to you with that. I came in fear and weakness and trembling, which you could read this as though Paul's just like, you know, the false humility kind of thing. Like, oh, just I'm nothing and I'm so worthless. Give me compliments. You know, Bill, you know, the false, false humility, right. which I don't think is what he's doing. He's talking about a fast. I do have these things, but I gave them up. I put them aside. Well, yeah. And, and, I surrendered them.
0: And in a certain sense, what's happening is that he's blowing his horn in glory. He's blowing his horn in <laughs> glory. Right, and his, he is and, and like, like cuz he's saying, you know what? Like because this is a different note. I mean, like he he's saying like, you know what? This is actually meaningful specifically for you, Corinthians, Yeah, that that I I recognize inside of myself that part of who I am in all of this weakness and the struggle is really critical for you to understand. Yes. And so this is meaningful for you that I'm coming only preaching Christ crucified. I'm not doing the Hebrews thing. I'm not doing, yes. I'm not going like the Romans. The Romans needed something actually very different because of how they are approaching the world. Um, and so yeah. so you, Corinthian, uh, Corinthians, like, you have to know, and this is really, and I think that that's actually really important. So what do they expect? How do they expect him to teach? Like the great philosophical traditions. Use,
1: so using what? Rhetoric and arguments. Yes, exactly right. Words, speech, rhetoric, argument. So Paul says, I'm not going to teach like that. I'm going to teach with what? His life. My body, my very being. Right. Which is apparently small of stature and weak, and they don't think he's very good looking. Like, they actually literally insult him. He's like, you know what? Exactly. That's exactly right. That's where Paul has this famous line in Second Corinthians where he's like, I'm a jar of clay. I'm just a weak, humble earthen vessel. And you're not supposed to care about the vessel. You're supposed to care about what the vessel holds, which is Jesus Christ. So I didn't come with all the words and rhetoric and all these things, which I do have. I came in my person, Mm. which is just what it is. Mm. But it's great because of what it holds. And what it holds is Jesus Christ. So I embodied it, which is an imitation of Jesus who then embodies the love of the father. Which, so uh, this is Paul's imitation of Jesus, which I think
0: brings us into the gospel. Okay, you are the salt of the earth. Okay, this is, I have two. I, you love salt. I love salt, but think about. But salt is uh, has uh, two main functions. Okay, one is for ice. F- ice. I'm just kidding. <laughs> flavor, well, I'm not kidding. But flavor. Yeah. So what happens is, is it, 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 it flavors, it preserves. Preserves, yeah. It's, it's, so so the, these are the two things. But it's also a weapon. If you really want to destroy something, what you do is you salt the earth. And, and if you salt the earth, what happens is that nothing can grow. That in fact really yeah it's I it's didn't know that. it's yeah if you, if you want to totally utterly ruin a town and the surrounding area you it's it's a, you salt the earth because then nothing can you basically change the really the chemistry of the soil by throwing salt everywhere so it's like so and and it lasts profoundly long how come you've never I feel
1: like I've never talked about it this You've way. You've never talked about it that way, but that's really powerful. Right, and so what I happens, think. Yeah, I'm going to let you keep- hint- Well,
0: because no, well, cause it's a- I mean, I usually talk about it, if salt loses its taste, what's it good for? To be thrown underfoot. And destroy. And destroy. So normally- Not I thi- destroyed- right but to destroy but to destroy you save that up as 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 a weapon against your enemy that if you if you can't claim that town then you're just going to ruin their food supply you're going to ruin what actually is and which is which is really really kind of an intense binary cuz like if you look at salt in an old testament it's a, it's a covenant of salt salt because it preserves has this kind of um symbolic quality of of an everlasting expression so you have you know you have um Second Chronicles, you've got um, uh, you've got a few different uh, you've got a few different um, uh, moments where the, the the salt covenant with David. It um, says that if we're going to make a salt covenant, this is going to be a perpetual covenant because if you have salted vegetables, salted meats, these are all things that um, symbolically are going to last into the future and are going to nourish. But then you, I think that, that there's also this weird perpetual reality that exists with you're the salt of the earth and that if, if something goes bad inside of you, you're going to be ruinous in a way that is
1: going to be so lasting because it's going to be salted earth. Which is the story of the old... Old Testament. Israel, who's called to be one thing, and because of her failure to keep the covenants, actually becomes the influencer of all of these other nations to bring darkness. Mm. The prophets say Israel was supposed to be the light to the world, but she became an eyesore to the nations. I mean, that's why Jesus doesn't say you ought to be salt, you could be salt, you should be salt. He doesn't say any of those things. He just says you are the salt of the earth. For better or for worse, you are the salt of the earth, so you have the choice. Israel has always had the choice, and we are Israel. We are the new Israel. Right? Do you the flavor is. or do you destroy? Right. Do you and you pres- that's what the church is
0: always do, you vacillating pres- between. Right. Do you preserve and and provide for electrolytes, or <laughs> 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 do you do, are you, are you an electrolytic companion or are you <laughs> or you are you the destroyer? I got of the soil? name of the podcast this week.
1: <laughs> electrolytic <laughs> companions. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, thank you for that. Yeah,
0: which which uh, you you look and and here we are in Isaiah, and and th- this is the fundamental decision: um, Are you just going to impose rules that are destructive and live on the surface? So do as I do as I do uh, do as I say, even though it doesn't actually bring life. Are you going to be an, an inoculation to the nation? Um, <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I, I heard it. I, yeah, yeah. Or you know, or here we are. Are you going to blow your horn so that everybody thinks yeah. you're great? Or are you going to blow your horn so that it actually brings glory to God? Yes. Are you going to be, you know, are you going to actually be sensitive enough to the people or that you're going to hmm. be able to respond to them in such a way that and how they need? Because Paul's like, dude, I could do this. But the truth is you need me to just... Be cruciform for you. Yes, yes. Or, are, or so you are the salt of the so earth. So he is
1: the salt in that sense, right? Not destroying, but bringing flavor. Right, bringing flavor and, and, and preserving. And, and being. he's also effectively preserving an almost failing church in Corinth. Absolutely, by being cruciform. Right. jeez. Wow, in
0: in a, in a way, a lot that, of layers to this. Right, because otherwise, what happens is that, um, I mean, w- when the church is accused, what are we accused of? We're be- accused of of being. Harsh doctrinally, Mm. um, of 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 misapplying the truths of Jesus Christ in a in a way that is 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 that's inappropriate to what's actually before us, Mm. irreverent to the the situation, to the system, to this to the to this uh, people that are actually meant to encounter the truth. Mm. And so what happens is we become warriors that scatter. Rather than being actually sensitive enough to say like, okay, you know what, Corinth, you guys really like philosophy, but I know you need the cross. Uh, or Rome, you know, what, uh, you really like power, so I'm going to bring you reason, mm-hmm. and you're like, mm-hmm. oh, or, or or Hebrews, you really mm-hmm. like symbols, but I'm going to actually bring you into the highest symbols. I'm going to say mm-hmm. you like this, but you need something more. You uh, need this, yeah, yeah. And and like the, and that actually, I I think is where like, because what is this assault? If you oversalt something, the other day I had a dinner. Or the other year, it was a year ago or two years ago. You haven't
1: had dinner in two years. No,
0: I haven't had dinner in two years. And Sad, um, man. I I had a bunch of people over. They 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 um, wanted a, a at an auction, and I accidentally oversalted everything, so <laughs> much so that when I tasted it, it burned. And I like destroyed salt. them. I and but no, but it was, <laughs> I, the the whole crowd was actually a lot of older people. Uh-oh. And they loved it. Oh, <laughs> they loved it because it was salty okay. enough. For we can taste it. We can taste it. I just, I don't. Oh, know. that's hilarious. That's a totally weird story that's that really I'm funny. not sure it fits within the rest of what we're actually talking. Just about. just roll with it. Just keep going. You're just Plow through. So, I don't know. Those are those
1: are those are my ideas that I have oh. for the day. I think that's really powerful. I got a lot to chew on. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, no, I really do though. That's yeah. a lot of. I, I mean, my 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 the point that I'm gonna walk away with is the present tense nature of Jesus' statement, that you're salt, whether you like it or not. He doesn't say you ought to be, right? Mm, you should be this. Right. He just says you are. But with what you just gave me and gave us, that we we are what we are. Right. And we need to make the choice of how, what effect are we going to have on the world? Are we going to destroy? Are we going to bring flavor? Are we going to preserve what are we going to do? Because that's the question of Israel back in Isaiah 58. Right. Here's what you say. This is what you are. You are the chosen people of God. Right. Whether you want to be or not. And what you do and what you say you want to be and do, that's going to have effects and it's going to ripple. Yep. And so you need to choose. But now our choice is different. Our choice is fundamentally different because we have been empowered through the righteous one, the ultimate righteous one, par excellence, right. what the psalm was pointing to, Jesus, now we've been empowered to actually do with our saltiness what was never fully possible before. Right. Now the options are wide open to us. We can still choose to do destructiveness, but we are now empowered to be the salt of the earth in a way that we never could before. Right, And that's why it's not the same situation as Isaiah. Mm. It's that situation, the choice remains— but now we have access to something we never have had access to. Mm. The shaker is much bigger. <laughs> does, that, does that work? Yeah, it know. does.
0: Yeah, it does. Cool. Yeah. Well, hey, enjoy your salt cellars. You know, <laughs> yes. shake I it will. off, shake uh, it up. You know, shake it up. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, shake, shake, shake. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to come up with any, any other pop culture I shake references. You, you have. Um, I think you got them all. Shake
1: and shake. Shake and shake. Yep. God bless you guys. You're you're awesome. Bye. (laughs) Thank you, guys. Bye-bye. The Word on the Hill podcast is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado. You can find us online at www.thomascenter.org slash AICT, and you can find the Lanky Guys podcast at lankyguys.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we will be back next time.